HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to the Heritage Radio Network Farm Report, coming to you live from a great cloudy day here in Brooklyn in the back of Roberta's Restaurant. Um, Today's show is brought to you by White Oak Pastures. White Oak Pastures cattle are raised in a manner that has stood the test of time. It begins with southern sunshine, unpolluted country air, and fertile coastal soil. The cattle are allowed to roam the pastures and graze freely on sweet native grasses all of their lives. White Oak Pastures all-natural grass-fed beef has been available in all of the Whole Food stores in the mid-Atlantic states. We hope that you will support their program through your purchase of our beef through one of these Whole Food stores. For more information, go to www.whiteoakpastures.com. Uh, we are here today, Heather Hyman, myself, and my co-host, Erin Fairbanks. Hey, Heather. Hello. We are excited, as usual, to have um, a guest live in studio June Russell. June works for Green Market. It's a program of Grow NYC. She is their farm inspection manager. Welcome, June. Hi there. Um, June, we are thrilled to have you. We are excited to learn a little bit more about your work at Green Markets and a little bit more about Green Markets in general. Um, In response to, uh, you sent me a little article from the Wall Street Journal in getting ready for the show called... um, copycat farmers market reap a crop of complaints Mm -hmm. and one of the big themes of the article was language and i know that's something we talk a lot about uh here at the heritage radio network is what what do what do words mean and how are we using them and who's using them um so we were hoping to start the show by getting a little bit better sense of what exactly is a farmer's market and kind of how that works through green markets here in new york um Oh, that's a lot to start with. Um, <laughs> what is a farmer's market and, and the criteria? Uh, our, there are farmer's markets all across the country, and we are a green market, and we are a farmer's market, um, but we are an organization that's our name, our logo, it's trademarked, and we have specific rules that go along with that. I think that we're known for having fairly strict producer-only rules. Um, other markets around the country have different criteria for their markets where they allow so much to be purchased in, whether it's from regional farms or out-of-region farms, or there can also be a certain number of crafts vendors there. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have 
crafts vendors at, at mm. our markets. Um, uh, our mission is to support regional farms that are producing food and bringing that food into New Yorkers. And it's, it's pretty basic. Great. Well, well, how do you define, like, what's the region? I mean, how far are we talking about? Um, our region, I sat in this workshop on, on thinking in terms of regions and realized that, you know, our region is actually pretty arbitrary. Our, our hmm. founder had set the compass on Poughkeepsie and drew a circle, <laughs> which uh, incorporated all the regions that he wanted or all the areas, little pockets that he thought were significant that should be in our market. Um, but when it comes to actually defending those lines, it doesn't always make that much sense. And we continue to learn about that when we think about food sheds and where things are produced and how they get to the city and, and where we need to support growers. Um, but Essentially, it's uh, all of New Jersey, all the way out to Long Island. We have fishers on Long Island, about uh, 120 miles to the west in Pennsylvania. Mm. We go up to the Finger Lakes. I think it's 250 miles north. So, you know, there's a big, the Adirondacks take up a chunk of space where there's not much going on. But um, we have quite a few producers coming down from the Finger Lakes and then a little pocket over in southwestern Vermont, uh, all the way up to the Northeast Kingdom. Nice. Um, what exactly constitutes a producer? What do they have to be doing for you? Um, well, we say producer because not everyone in the market is a farmer. Um, we have fishers. Uh, we have bakers who are in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, farms, fishers, bakers, <laughs> livestock, uh, you know, different kinds of farming. So to make a general term, well, we have two processors. We have a pickle person and a jam person. And mm-hmm. so okay. Yeah, producers covers everybody that way. And those picklers, are they working with uh, someone that would be producing uh, vegetables for the green market already before they're able to come and be a part of that? Not necessarily, um, as long as they're sourcing from the region. It mm. doesn't have to be our market farmers. Okay, um, but are you going to the, the, the place where the, the vegetables are coming from before they pickle to inspect the farm to make sure they meet your criteria? Oh, yeah. So, June, you are the farm inspector. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us a little bit about what that means. Um, that means that I go out to farms. We have, uh, criteria, we have a green market standard, uh, that we would inspect to. I took the organic inspections training about three years ago, which was really rigorous. We are, we don't require that our producers be organic, um, Mm -hmm. but they sort of have the best standards going in terms of an inspections program. So we developed, uh, uh, our sort of checklist for different, facilities that you would go to look at like a livestock facility or dairy facilities can be mm-hmm. different than some place that's just doing vegetable production so um the main things there are to make sure that people are producing their own stuff mm-hmm. and what they're bringing to market is what they indeed have on farm right and that they're doing it in accordance with our rules because there's you know there's some give there's some flexibility across categories and and we're looking at that as we uh as we move along, we've done this long strategic planning rules process and, you know, kind of reviewing our rules as we go. And yeah. uh, I was actually wondering about how often, you know, I guess you guys were founded in, in 1976 and uh, I was wondering how often the criteria changes as like more awareness grows for the, you know, sourcing of your food. Criteria, um, what do you mean? For the farms that, that are allowed to come into the green markets. That's like, uh, yeah, that's a good question, and that's something that we start to wrestle with a little bit. I think that, you know, we have our, we certainly have our hands full right now with what mm-hmm. we're trying to manage and who's coming to us and who needs support and who we're looking to support out in the field. Um, but I think when you look ahead at what the future of agriculture is, 
you know, we're, we've started some of those conversations to think about how do we need to broaden um, some of our criteria. Is this antiquated now? Is this mm. really doing what we need it to do? Good. Which is, yeah. It's important. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. It's a, it's a living document. Nice. <laughs> so if um, I'm, I'm a new farmer within the region and I want to get into green markets, what do I got to do? Uh, you have to get past our gatekeeper, Laurel, who's mm. probably listening right now. Nice. Hey, Laurel. <laughs> hey, Laurel. Muscle. Green market crew in the office. <laughs> um, uh, you would, you would, there's an intake form. We get, you know, I spent three years managing markets, and the number one question that we got at the stand was, how do I get a stand like this? Hey, this is uh-huh. great. I want to come sell a green market. <gasps> so the first question is, are you farming? What are you producing? What sort of volume do you have? So there's a basic questionnaire that you would start with, and if that looks like you know it's a legitimate operation, then we would send you a full application. And How many pages is that? <laughs> depends on depends on what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, we have some farms that are, you know, they have six different categories of operation. Yeah, they, so they gotta explain it all. Yeah, make definitely. sure you can yep. see everything and that they're producing. So if I'm if I'm a farmer in the green market system, do once I'm in, am I in, or do I got to reply, reapply every year? How does that work? Yeah, technically, it's a one-year contract. Um, you know, as, as most people who are familiar with our markets know, that we have there's a lot of return producers, and they generally go to their same markets in their same spots. But you, you also have to stay in good standing, and um, it's not necessarily a, a forever deal. Right. How often do you have to go back out and visit the farm? Um, well, that's a little more complicated. <laughs> oh, no. I, if we had a, we like to see our producers at least every two years, I would say. Good. And, and make sure they're in good standing. And we have, you know, we have a whole crew on the ground. You know, our biggest, I realized last year our strongest at- asset with inspections is that we have this really experienced crew now that's managing markets. And they're very familiar and they've seen the seasonality and they're familiar with what things look like that, they come from our region and different areas within in that region. So, um, yeah, the more we have solid people managing markets. Yeah, you'll they, see if something's maybe not right or, or you know, mm-hmm. you're you know you're able to look at it and be like, okay, everything's looking good. <laughs> you know, I guess after a while, you know, I know from just speaking to, like, you know, um, you know, meat processors that they can see the pig or something before it gets slaughtered. And they know if the animal, you know, has been treated right or is doing okay just bit by looking at it or seeing, you know, after it's been slaughtered, you know, what the, the meat looks like. So, sure, sounds- if someone's got, you know, soil growing tomatoes in january it's pretty pretty Some, obvious something's wrong. <laughs> um so let's get a sense of the scope of these markets i mean how how many markets are there the green market system works only in new york or in yeah. new york city or we're in new york city we're uh, in all five boroughs we have 51 markets now wow um, yeah. it's i mean has it been 51 since 1976 no <laughs> uh, there was a big um boy, when did that we started to increase markets. I think that was before. My, I started with the green market in 2004. Um, and uh, there was a real initiative to push and develop markets out into some of the neighborhoods and some of the food deserts. Mm-hmm. And we've been able to create alliances with other city agencies to bring good food into neighborhoods that have very low Those resources. are the food deserts? I like yeah. that. I haven't really used that term ever. <laughs> Um, so, uh, but in the past, I'd say four years, uh, a lot of people are coming to us and people want to green market in their neighborhood and, 
and they markets work best when there's a lot of community support behind them and um, people are there. It's great. You can you can sometimes have one enthusiastic person who really wants a farmer's market, but if they can't bring, you know, 300 people with them, <laughs> it's uh, the growers aren't going to make enough money and they right. won't stick around. So there's that constant balance of developing a consumer base at each of those locations. Um, but we have we have our system is is really incredible, and each market has a different personality, a different demographic. Um, different producers that are there and it's really fun to to make rounds and spend time in those markets and sort of get the vibe of what's happening there yeah I mean and I know like one of the biggest benefits of course is meeting the farmer and like having the chance to like you know put the face to your food I mean um, does uh, the green market in one location happen to keep the same producers all year round or does the seasons kind of change where people go where the farmers go um, to sell. Well, I mean, we, let's see, we are, I guess I'd start by saying our winter markets have grown significantly over the past couple of years. And a lot of that is consumer demand. Hmm. Um, you know, some of our, some of our people have been coming to market for 30 years and they've figured out like business dies in the winter and they take three months off and then they're gearing up again in March. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we lose a lot of our vegetable producers, and, you know, you've seen that at Grand Army when it's like the tundra up there. Yes, I definitely. Yeah. I spent the last year working for uh, Flying Pigs Farm, which is one of the farms they sell at two green markets, Union Square and Grand Army. And nice. the winter months are kind of lonely uh. and cold in your full Carhartt suit. Uh. But what <laughs> yeah. do you think? I mean, I know I know for Flying Pigs, that was our... Our, the majority of our farm's output went to the market. What do you think it is about farmers' markets that that set them apart from other outlets for farmers? I mean, why are they special? Like, why do they deserve our, our attention? Um, several reasons. I, for the growers, uh, for the producers, it's direct marketing. And that's, uh, you know, 100% of that income, they're in control of. And, you know, there was also a recent article that came out that sort of, it wasn't written very well, but it suggested that growers make a lot of money at farmers markets. The point is, they're in, they're in control of that. It's direct marketing; it goes straight to them. Um, so no, no middlemen. Yeah, and people speak for their products best uh, themselves, mm-hmm. and uh, you can have that consumer producer interaction, which is really powerful. And I think for consumers to choose to go to the markets over you know an alternative source is also very powerful it's you know when i give tours i say this is the most direct fair trade economy you're ever going to participate in because Hmm. you know the producers there the products there you pay them um and then they go home yeah and this is you know this is food this is how we feed ourselves and you get this immense diversity of products and choices at the markets that you just you just plain out don't see anywhere else nobody does what markets do is there any competition like you know for you know supermarkets are they going after some of the same farmers that you know are in your green markets is that an issue that comes up um uh, yes and no i'm i when i look at some of those spaces you know again they can't you're talking about retail space mm-hmm. and if you go into a market that is trying to sort of hone in on local or uh, farmers, you know, with a specific name, they generally will only carry 
a couple of products. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like if you go to find pig stand and you open the cooler and it, you can pretty much make out the whole pig. It's right. in there somewhere. Put it back together. Yeah, because yeah. the farmer needs to move everything that's on their farm. I guess the supermarket is picking and choosing what they want to exactly. buy from these farmers. And, and, and that's their business model. They mm-hmm. have to. They're not going to be able to move that stuff. Right. You know, you can in a market, but when you get to uh, a grocery store, you know, they're only going to have you know, the tenderloin or the pork chops right. or the things that are going to move because they have to keep that space. Exactly. So rotating. it's nice to see that that's not really like a competition. In the end, it is really just getting the farmer's product to the market. And that's what's most important for us. So sure. And, I th- and when you look at those those store spaces also, that's it's a lot of prepared foods. It's reworked, you mm. know, snack, healthy snack food and prepared foods. And you look at the space that's really about fresh food. It's actually very small. Right. Yeah, definitely. So before we head to break, I want to just touch on one more issue. Uh, New York, obviously, New York City is a big, hungry city. Um, and how does how do the green market system, how does the farmer's market system here kind of compare with other markets across the U.S.? Um, well, we are the we're the largest network, um, meaning, you know, we have the most number of markets in different locations around the city. Hmm. But I think Madison probably is still the largest market. They Wisconsin? Have, yeah. Okay. And they've got something like 300 producers, and they, it, hmm. it goes around this giant block that the capital's on. Oh, it's on. beautiful. I love the Madison market. Well, and they also have the, the university there, right? Yep. Cool. And, and they also have, I mean, that's an incredibly fertile agricultural area. It's, yeah. It's like the black dirt for 300 miles or something. <laughs> so um, they're, I think that they're still the biggest, and, you know, yeah, because I, I always wonder, you know, like in a place like Missouri or something where there's so many farms, but there's so much land, it's so spread out. Like, are there yeah. farmers markets, you know, like, are people actually buying what's being raised in their own backyard? Not enough. Right. Yeah. Not enough. That is true. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with June Russell on the Heritage Farm Report. are back with the Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report, live every Thursday at 1. We've got an awesome guest with us today. She is the farm inspector for all of uh, New York City and Brooklyn's green markets. And we have uh, some uh, some real awesome things to get into right now. 
kind of um, wanted to ask about, um, you know, if you feel like you're pushing the envelope with any current projects right now in the green market world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer would be yes. Um, I, through, yeah, we're doing some, some really exciting work with grains right now and uh, also with processors, uh, small-scale processors, um, is is really starting to develop as an area that we can um, facilitate some conversations and connections and um, but the grain work is is really taken off in the last year or so and we're very excited about that. We're so what kind of stuff are you doing? I mean, uh, you're looking to have more grain producers come into the farmers market or what? What's going on with grains? Mm-hmm. Um, What's going on with grains? Let's see. Um, well, this has been something we've been working on for a, a few years, um, starting with, you know, an old rule that we have reviewed and changed, but it was um, that our bakers had to be using local flour, regional flour. So when I got uh, came into this position, um, one of my questions was, well, what is what can we expect? What is happening? What's going on out there? So... It's taken, that took a couple years to sort of identify who the players are, where our infrastructure is, um, what is happening. And about the same time, the Northeast Organic Wheat Project was doing some work to reintroduce some wheat varieties in the Northeast, um, some heritage varieties and some ancient grains. And so um, we have been able to team up and do some work together specifically around the wheats, but we've now broadened the conversation to a larger discussion around grains mm-hmm. in general. Um, and it is, um, we've been working with our bakers for a couple years on this. We changed our rule to make it a requirement that you have to use 15% local grain to get in the market. Huh. And I'll change some recipes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And it's been, it's really, it's ha- fascinating. Have you lost some bread producers because of it? I mean, no. Um, Well, one of the things was to pick a number where we could get some things moving Mm -hmm. in the pipeline, um, but we're not going to break anybody's bottom line because Mm -hmm. there's price differences when you have to change. Right. Um, On the other hand, the more I've learned about this process, I've been doing some audits of our bakers in the last month. and An audit is when you... I look at receipts and see where they're sourcing things and how much they're sourcing. And yeah, okay. so you see they? the grain bills and all that yeah. for like the, the farmers are raising livestock. And wow, so you're I'm, seeing everything. I'm just curious, when you're doing that work, are you wearing a visor? <laughs> <laughs> well, I already wear spectacles, so there's <laughs> enough... <laughs> stylish ones I'll, I'll add for all you that can't see um so so grain grain production grain growing what what type of grain is grown in the northeast i mean what what should we be looking for what's out there that's a great question we're about to we're, we're putting together uh some grains promotions that we're going to launch in november mm. um that we're pretty excited about and want to really target that towards what is happening in the field so that our promotions line up with the product that's available so right now, um, we've been having, or we're seeing quite a bit of excess with Emmer, um, which is also called Emmer Faro. It is related to Faro, which is from a specific region in Italy, hmm. um, but this is Emmer. And it is growing very well. It's a really excellent grain. It's got a high protein content and it makes really good pasta. Nice. Nice. Um, we've 
put a lot of work into developing some of the hard wheats because the bakers are a little bit fixated on hard wheats. Okay. Um, so we've got a few of those that are happening, mostly up in the in the Finger Lakes area because the hard wheats like the cold weather. Okay. Um, but we're getting some of those uh, in the pipeline. And then there's just, there's so much capacity to support grains beyond that. New York State grows spelt like crazy and buckwheat like crazy and soft wheat like crazy. Mm. Um, so those are markets that moving forward, we're going to try to help develop. And, and some of that work has meant going beyond green market because our bakers can't do it alone to really lift this thing off the ground. Or we need to move. say to move so, mass quantities, yeah. right? Like, yeah. um, do they, they might do, do you find that they get like a higher price from the people, like the bread producers on, um, as compared to who else they're selling the rest of their product to? Um, like, are you helping them in that end? Like, how much they should be getting paid for their the grain. growers you mean yeah no that's, that's something that we pretty much i mean i'll see what it looks like after uh-huh. i can look at these numbers but we largely stay out of that it's okay. like you know this is this is the free market where you know the the consumer and the grower figure out what that price should be on their own uh, yeah. i'm totally i'm i'm taking econ at the new school right now i'm hearing that uh-huh. free market <laughs> economics it's good stuff um so you have the growers who are growing the wheat, but you can't just pick wheat and it's not flour. I mean, what what what's the rest of the infrastructure look like? What else has to be built up oh, to man. kind of support? <laughs> Good question. I know you're familiar with infrastructure. It's, uh, you know, I was looking at this image the other day of this wheat shaft and it's like, like it's the image of simplicity and <laughs> it's so complicated. <laughs> it's more, it is so not simple, so don't fall for it. No. Um... It's, uh, you know, in the ground, there's all kind of, there, there are good reasons why we gave this one up. There's good reasons why, okay. you know, this one went to really efficient scales, you know, but like all things we gave up, you know, flavor and character and good agricultural practices and crop rotations that are healthier and all those things that we're thinking about that we're trying to take back and develop and support. So, um yeah from growing in the field there's post-harvest handling there's equipment there's combines that are gone there's a new need for small-scale equipment because people are doing things on a different uh, level Um, there's milling capacity and uh everybody is on this really steep learning curve right now from the growers to the millers to the bakers Hmm. so we're all in this together and it, it's really exciting. We had a great meeting last January where we pulled all these folks together and, and had those conversations. And we're looking to have another one, hopefully this winter as well. Nice. Are, are there lots of, um, I mean, are there shared resources? Like, is everyone, like, uh, in some kind of group where um, they're, like, sharing, I don't know. A combine. Yeah. I'll use it on Tuesday. <laughs> use it on Wednesday. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I've had, uh, No. I've had people burst out laughing, literally like laughing at me, like (laughs) farmers aren't going to do that. Right. Um, And and the pockets of where things are happening are pretty spread out right now. So we're a long we're a long way away from that. Although I was just up at Hawthorne Valley and and they were talking about it, but Stefan is from he's a European, so he he is a little more receptive to the ideas of collective uh, working together. So if we're like Heather and I are, and you are, if we're we're New York City residents and we want to support this kind of burgeoning wheat movement, um, where do we go to buy wheat? How do we ask for it? Or what does it look like? And where can I find it? Well, that's, um, 
Another good question. Um, right now, we have uh, our, our two big growers at market, or our two big producers at market, are uh, Farmer Ground Flour, which is uh, a, a part of Cayuga Pure Organic. And nice. they have a good line of, of different grains right now, and they're at a good number of our of our markets. You can find them. Oh, I love their beans. Uh, yeah, really great beans. And, uh, and then Wild Hive um, Farm Bakery, and Don Lewis was definitely an early adopter of this... Um, whatever it is uh thinking and and developing grains and he's in the process of really blowing up his mill capacity so he's going to be doing a lot more um he's at union square on friday um so but the other thing is is that you know baking is still where you know this generation is is learning to cook and getting excited about cooking Baking's a tough one, you know, to get people to... Science, 100%. It takes, yeah, it takes a lot of practice. And so for the grains, the raw grains, to really be integrated into people's habits is going to take a long time. So you could also go and support the bakers who are using local grains. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we're working on, really identifying who's doing what, what those products are. Um, I had a great visit with one of our bakers who was making a bread that was 100% whole wheat. And nice. Yeah, and he was liking it. And he said, yeah, it's got more character, a little more flavor. <laughs> I can work with this. <laughs> are, are there any kind of like uh, seminars or anything, uh, tastings, anything that go on at the green markets that kind of, uh, you know, help more to promote the, the, the farmers and the products they're producing and the things that you're pushing? Yes. Um, we do uh, cooking demos regularly at our markets and we do educated eater panels uh, frequently on different topics. We just had one on processing, and we'll be doing one on grains. And we, we ha- we'll have all that together. It'll be on our website. Um, we have a whole week of events planned that's going to include a, a flapjack breakfast with the New Amsterdam market. So Yes, flapjack. <laughs> what is that I website, like June? Uh, that is uh, Scenic... No, sorry. <laughs> I just got myself in trouble. GrowNYC.org. Um, and go to Green Market, and on the side panel, you'll find a list of... A whole bunch of stuff on that website. Yeah, it seems I mean, like definitely perusing. You can get uh, links to you know find a market in your neighborhood um, and a list of growers. You can. I know the Green Market staff does a really amazing job at kind of tweeting live at the market, what's hot, what's in today, take a look for ground cherries. Always tons of stuff going on. I mean... Do you guys have any events coming up that that our listeners should know about? Well, we have a, our annual Taste of Green Market event, which is happening next Wednesday at the Altman Building. And I tell everybody that I know that I think it's the best ticket in town. Oh. Um, there's just a stellar list of restaurants and chefs that have such goodwill towards our growers. Um, and you, um, you just, it's a great, great event. And that's, you can find that information on our website also. Next Wednesday from 6 to 10 p.m. Awesome. Well, June, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know we just opened up a lot of topics here, so we are excited to be able to have you come back on the show and continue to learn a little bit more about the green market system and how we can better support it and, through that, support our farmers. In addition to the grain project, so excited to hear where that's going to go. Um, Thank you. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having me. Well, we'll have you back. Definitely good luck with uh, your event next next Wednesday. And uh, we'll be here live next Thursday at HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Check out our archives to re-listen to this interview. Heritage Radio Network Farm Report. Out for now. Out for now. Out for now.